You know, every first Sunday of the month is, is Youth Sunday, where we invite the children 12 and under to come forward for a particular children's message. So you may come forward at this time if you're so inclined. And I'm sorry that I'm not Bubba. How about that? <laughs> All right. Good morning. Good morning. How is everybody? How is everybody? Good, yes, happy to see you all. Start. Yes, it is back to school, isn't it? I'm not going to school. Yeah, Andrew's not going to school. Okay, everybody, we're going to do this a little bit differently this morning. And what I'm going to ask of you all is to have very careful listening ears and very good looking eyes, okay? Very careful listening ears and very good looking eyes because we're gonna do a little bit of congregation participation. We're gonna start with you though, you ready? I'm gonna talk about a couple of ideas this morning. We're gonna talk about fear and we're gonna talk about faith. So I'm gonna ask you first to raise your hand if you've ever been afraid of something. Have you ever been afraid of something? Nah. <laughs> One in a million, what can you say? What can you say? Well, I guess what? I have been afraid of a few things myself. Let me tell you about a couple of them. I'm afraid that the Longhorns are going to have another bad football season this year. But that may be a little bit beyond the scope of this conversation. Yes, it is. Let's talk about things that I might have been afraid of when I was your age. When I was your age, I was afraid of the dark. Anybody ever been afraid of the dark? I did not like the dark. Still, Andrew's not afraid of anything. Do you know what else I was afraid of? And this may be a little bit appropriate in getting ready for school. I was afraid of the first day of school. I don't know whether my mom is here or not this morning. I haven't seen her yet, but she will tell you with absolute certainty that on more than one first day of school, she had to get rid of a lot of crocodile tears in my eyes because I did not want to go back to school. So here's where I'm going to ask us to do something with our looking eyes. I want us to turn around for just a minute and look at the adults who are out there, and I'm going to ask them to raise their hand if they've ever been afraid. Have any of the adults out there? Look at that. So you guys are not the only ones who've been afraid. It turns out a lot of us have been afraid of things, with the exception of Andrew, who's never been afraid of anything. (laughs) So guess what? Nobody likes to be afraid, do we? We don't like to be afraid. We've all been afraid of something in our lives, but let's talk about faith now. Faith may be a little bit harder for us to understand, so I'm going to try to talk about faith in hopefully some ways that you guys can relate to. How many of you rode to church in a car this morning? Probably all of us? Okay, most all of us rode to church in a car this morning, again, with the exception of Andrew. (laughs) Now, guess what? You all, and especially your parents who drove the car, had to have faith that the car would start when they put the key in the ignition. That was actually an exercise of faith. How many of you have parents who fed you meals or feed you meals on a regular basis? How many of you have teachers who help you learn on a regular basis? How many of you have ever been sick and been to the doctor before? Again, not Andrew. We're, we're, Andrew's batting a thousand for us this morning from the other side of the plate. Guess what? All of these things 
the fact that our parents will feed us, the fact that our teachers will teach us, the fact that our doctors will heal us, those all require faith. So let's um, ask the adults something else this morning. I'm going to ask the adults to raise their hand if they have faith in Jesus, and I want you to turn around and see all the hands that are raised by the people who have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Because all of these same people who sometimes have fears in their life also have faith in Jesus. Now, why do you think, and this is where we get to talk for a minute, why do you think we have faith in Jesus? What's a reason you have faith in Jesus? Yes, sir. Because he's our friend? Yeah. Okay, that's a great reason to have faith in him. Yes, ma'am. Uh, because he helps us when we're afraid. He helps us when we're afraid. You've hit it spot on. Yes, sir. He's a promise keeper. He is a promise keeper, and that is one of the greatest reasons of all to have faith in Jesus, because he's a promise keeper. He taught us good things, and he promised to forgive us of our sins, and he promised that he would offer us eternal life if we place our faith in him, if we trust him. So one more time, I'm going to ask us to turn around and look at the adults in the room because guess what? When you have fears and when you need help with faith, along with Jesus Christ, these are the people who are gonna help you on your journey to help each and every one of you learn how to overcome fear by having faith in Jesus Christ. Sound like a reasonable offer? Okay, let's return to your seats. Thank you. So I think we would all agree that it's pretty safe to say that every one of us has an ongoing conversation in our heads about the relationship between fear and faith in our own lives. Our fears are as complex and extensive as humanity itself. Whether they are big picture things like natural disasters or wars or disease or dying or the more day-to-day -day concerns of things like money and job security, social acceptance, and also self-worth. And when those kinds of fears begin to grow in our minds, what is it that we do? We try to relieve those fears with faith. And guess what? We all do this sort of thing, whether we are Christian or not. Everyone tries to tell himself or herself that somehow, some way, things will work out in the end. Everything will be fine, it's going to be okay, we're going to make it through one way or another. But here I want to make a careful distinction between faith and wishful thinking. Because on the one hand, not everyone survives natural disasters, wars, and disease. Many people are paralyzed with fear about finances, jobs, and sense of self-worth. And how many in our world still live in abject poverty and starvation? You and I know this. There is no amount of wishful thinking or naive optimism that can relieve these very real fears that we face in our lives. 
But on the other hand, precisely because the idea of faith persists in our worlds, we Christians need to take care about how we articulate the nature and the purpose of faith so that when we talk about what faith in God means and how faith in God works, people don't actually become more disillusioned about who God is and how he operates than they may already be, especially in a world that is so filled with and driven by fear, and especially among a people who are so quick to blame God for the daily fears that they face. You see, the, actual, the issue is actually not whether or not a person has faith. Everybody has faith. Everyone wants to believe that things will work out well in the end. The question is the basis of our faith and the reason or reasons for our faith. In whom or what have we placed our faith and why? Why do we trust that person or that entity or that thing? Why do others trust another so-called God or no God? Why do some trust the universe? Those are real propositions of faith that people hold in this world. Well, Jesus of Nazareth knew that his followers lived with certain fears, as we all do. And so the very first thing that we hear him say in today's text, as he says so often, is what? Fear not. Fear not. But he doesn't leave it there, and this is important. He doesn't leave it there as though fears can be relieved by some pious platitude that is propped up on the vacuous black hole of wishful thinking. Instead, he makes a transition. He transitions from fear to faith with a very specific and substantial claim. He says, fear not for... Fear not, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In other words, someone, namely God, is going to do something specific, namely give us the kingdom. So the point is, thanks be to God, that faith is not simply wishful thinking, far from it. Faith is actually established by the God who created and who governs the universe, and faith is realized in the dynamic between his faithfulness to do what he says he's going to do. What is he? A promise keeper. And our very reasonable and well-reasoned response to him and to his work. Namely, that we place our faith in Jesus Christ, why? Because he does for us the things we cannot do for ourselves. Specifically, he forgives us of our sins and he overcomes death and the grave that we might find ourselves awakened beyond the grave to his eternal and ineffable joys. This is the promise of God and this is exactly how he gives the kingdom to us. Now let's be clear. You already know this. It's not that we will be without trials and tribulation in this sinful and broken world or that we will absent ourselves from fear by delusional, wishful thinking, but rather that we can face our fears by placing our faith in the one who conquers all. 
Hear these comforting words that Jesus says to us also in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 33. He says, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let that soak in. The old children's hymn. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole wide world in his hand. It's actually, literally, really true. In a world filled with people who have placed their faith in the universe, in the government, in themselves, in someone or something else other than Jesus Christ, the author of Hebrews this morning gave us this beautiful picture of what real, true, and unfailing faith looks like when it's put into action by the body of believers and put on display as a witness for the world to see. And I just want to read some of it to us again because it's so good and so inspiring. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks to us today. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God because without faith it is impossible to please God and God rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, he built an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, for he was looking forward to the city whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah received the power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars in heaven and as innumerable as the grains of the sand by the seashore. I love that. It inspires me every single time I read it. But then the author of Hebrews finishes this by actually beckoning us to their journey, declaring that these all died in faith, not having yet received the things that were promised, but they saw them and they greeted them from afar. They acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. I wanted to preach a whole sermon on that very idea. And then they made it clear that they were seeking a homeland, a better country, a heavenly one, so that God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them that city, that holy city, that new Jerusalem, as Revelation says, coming down from heaven from God, where he will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. 
The promise continues that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither mourning or crying or pain anymore for these former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new and this is how he concludes, Write this down for this is trustworthy and true. And so I'll say it again. We place our faith in Jesus Christ to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, specifically forgiving us of our sins and overcoming death and the grave, not that we will be without trials and tribulations in this sinful and broken world, or that we will absent ourselves from fear by our delusional and wishful thinking, but that we can face our fears by placing our faith in the one who conquers all. Without faith, my friends, we may as well literally bet the farm on red or black, either way, because without faith, nothing matters anyway. Not what we think, not what we do or how we live, and even our most optimistic beliefs will still rot in the grave with our decaying bodies. But by faith, we will inherit the kingdom of God that he delights to give to us. And through faith, we can help others see it just as someone helped us see it. How? By doing exactly as Jesus instructs us to do. Selling our possessions. In other words, holding them lightly and loosely that we might deploy them into the service of the kingdom of God. And giving to the poor with our lamps burning, staying dressed and ready for action. Someone said this week, there are no pajamas in serving the kingdom of God. We stay dressed and we stay ready. For though this world cannot see Jesus, they can see us. And we may very well be the only Jesus they see. As St. Teresa of Avila writes, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on the world. Christ has no body on earth now but yours. May we be that body here at Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church.